And let's pray. Loving God, we give thanks. We give thanks for this time to be together. We give thanks for your Holy Spirit. May you descend upon our hearts and our lives and help us to hear with great joy all that you'd say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I know many of you know the comedian, Southern comedian, Jeff Foxworthy, and he had this redneck list. You know, you know you're a redneck if. Well, you know you're a redneck if directions to your house include, now, when you have to turn off the paved road, or you might be a redneck if you take a fishing pole with you when you go to SeaWorld. You might be a redneck if you have flowers planted in commodes around your front yard. Or you might be a redneck if your dad walks you to school because you're both in the same grade. Now they also came out with another list and that list was, you know you go to a country church if. So you know you go to a country church if the church votes not to buy chandeliers because nobody knows how to play one. You know you go to a country church if opening day of deer season is considered a church holiday. You know you go to a country church if a member requests to be buried in his four-wheel drive truck because he says it ain't never been in a hole that it can't get out of. Or, you know, you go to a country church if folks think that the rapture is what you get from lifting something that's just too heavy. Or, you know, you're in a country church if the pastor asks Bubba to take up the offering and five men and two women stand up. Now, many of you may remember that Jesus grew up in this little place called Galilee which was considered to be the country. And the followers of Jesus were considered unlearned and ignorant men. The sophisticated city folk in Jerusalem looked down on Jesus and were constantly looking for an opportunity to embarrass him. And in today's story, we find Jesus telling a parable to the Pharisees. He tells the parable and then applies a spiritual principle. In verse 11, he says, For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You know, this is one of the wonderful paradox, paradoxes that is totally contrary to what the world thinks. And this is also true if you want to understand Christianity. Christianity is a paradox. Now, paradox is defined as a contradiction of two thoughts or ideas, yet that contradiction then points us to a higher truth. Example, to be weak means that we can be strong in Jesus Christ. To admit that you are foolish is the beginning of true wisdom. The last become first, the first become last. The cross is transformed from an instrument of torture to a symbol of love and hope. And today, to be humble is the way to be exalted. You know, the world says that up is up 
And Jesus says, the way up is to be down. You might remember James 4, verse 10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and God will lift you up. Now, there is a certain problem with pride. Pride is basically the attitude that I am the center of the universe. And what did Jesus do? Well, he watched these Pharisees jockey for position. Now, there are two problems with pride. One of the first ones is that it is hard to see in yourself. Someone once said, pride is the only disease that makes everyone sick except for the one who has it. Pride is the most serious of all of the seven deadly sins. Dante, in his classic, The Divine Comedy, gives this great definition of pride. Pride is love of self perverted to hatred and contempt of one's neighbor. You know, also we see this with Dutch painter Bosch. He painted a picture of each of the seven deadly sins. And when he got to pride and vanity, he painted a picture of a woman who was looking at herself in a mirror. And that mirror was being held by the devil. You know, we can see pride and vanity in others, but it is so difficult for us to see it in ourselves. You might also remind, be reminded of Carly Simon who wrote a song. You know that song, You're So Vain. It goes something like this. You walked into the party like you were walking onto a yacht. Your hat strategically dipped below one eye. Your scarf was apricot. You had one eye in the mirror as you walked, as you watched yourself gavot. Now I looked gavot up and it is a you know French, fancy French word that means to kind of prance. And all the girls dreamed that they were your partner. They were your partner and you're so vain. You probably think this song is about you. You're so vain. You probably think this song is about you. Now, my friends, some of you are so vain, I bet you think this sermon is not about you. Well, Let's test this out. We have a, a pride test. You know, we want to, you have an opportunity to check yes or no. And I'm going to ask you some questions and you just respond yes or no. Now, don't raise your hand and don't pay attention to what your neighbor's doing. This is really between you and the Lord. And, uh, you know, we have IQ tests, but this really is kind of a, a PQ test, a pride quotient test. So let me ask you some of these questions. Number one. I enjoy being the center of attention. Yes or no? Number two, I think I deserve the best. Number three, much of my conversation is filled with I and me. Number four, I find it difficult to admit when I'm wrong. Number five, I seldom pass a mirror without stopping to look at myself. Number six, I am stubborn and I don't like to be corrected or changed. Number seven, my feelings are easily hurt. 
Number eight, I am impatient with other people's mistakes. Number nine, I don't get enough appreciation for all that I do. Number 10, I'm offended if I render a service and don't receive a prompt thank you. Number 11, I seldom ask for help because I can do the job better myself. And last, number 12, I feel pretty good that I didn't check yes to every question. Now, if you have one or more yes answers, it reveals the presence of pride in your life. And don't worry, we all deal with it. Now, if you didn't have a yes answer to any of these questions, then I want to invite you to be sure to come next week because I'm going to preach about lying. <laughs> but again, pride is hard to see in ourselves, but it's easy for us to see in others. Now, another pride, another problem with pride, number two, is that pride always leads to ruin. That's what Proverbs 16, 18 said. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Many of you may have heard this parable. It's the parable of the frog. And the frog watched the birds fly south every winter. And the frog said, you know, I think I'd like to go south. That just sounds smart. But of course, it would take him a long time to hop there. So he talked two birds into helping him out. And the birds were going to have a stick that they put in their mouth. And uh, the frog would grab onto the stick and they'd fly the frog south for the winter. Well, everything was going so well. They'd gone a great distance. And one of the farmers even looked up and saw these, these two birds carrying this stick with a frog hanging on. And the one farmer looked at the other farmer and said, that is amazing. I wonder which one of them came up with that. And the other farmer said, well, it had to have been the birds. They looked so smart. The frog just couldn't take it. And so the frog said, I did it. I'm the one who thought of that. And the minute he said it, of course, he let go of the stick and he plummeted to his own ruin. My friends, this can happen to us. And it happens to us more frequently than we like to admit. There is, however, honor in humility. And the truth of the matter is we need to listen to the words of Jesus today. We need honor that brings us to humility. We need a slice of humble pie. You know, in medieval England, nobility got all the good cuts of meat. And the poor, the less desirable cuts, the heart, the liver, the intestines, these parts were called umbles. And these umbles were always served to peasants. A noble person never ate humble pie. To be served it would have been a humiliating experience. But humble pie became synonymous with being humiliated, much like our eating crow. What's interesting to me is that you don't find people asking the question, how can I get more humble? No, we ask questions like, how can I be more successful? How can I move to the top? 
How can I be a better person, a stronger person? Now, there are three distinct characteristics of true humility. Number one is humility is not having a poor self-image or thinking that you're worthless. It's an honest evaluation. Remember that paradox? Well, one of the things we also are is we are sinners and we are saints, both, both at the same time. We're sinners in that we live in this fallen state, but we are saints because we have the holiness of God who helps us to grow in grace and become all that we can be. Another characteristic of true humility is humility is revealed by how we treat other people. Two great preachers in England in the 18th century were John Wesley and George Whitfield. Now Whitfield was a Calvinist, you know, and Calvinist means that God saves those whom God chooses to save. And Wesley was very Armenian. You know, people have the free choice to choose God or reject God. There was a reporter who once asked George Whitfield, because Whitfield and Wesley were very close and very good friends. And he asked Whitfield, do you expect to see John Wesley in heaven? And Whitfield replied, I don't expect to see Mr. Wesley in heaven. The reporter then gleefully wrote these words down. And then Whitfield continued, I don't expect to see Mr. Wesley in heaven because he is such a faithful servant of God. He will be close to the throne while I will be far away. And so, no, I do not expect to see Mr. Wesley in heaven. Or the great reformer Martin Luther once said, what people need is goat sense. And then he told the story of seeing goats on a mountain ledge. Instead of butting heads with one another, you know what they did? Because if they butted heads on that steep ledge, one or both of them would fall. But instead, as they would come up to each other, one would lay down and the other one would walk over them. So my friends, how do you treat others? Do you show humility in how you love and serve others? And thirdly, true humility is always refined through adversity. Jim Henry was the pastor of First Baptist Church in Orlando, Florida. He tells a story about himself. He was invited to speak at his alma mater for receiving an award for outstanding alumni. He was sitting on the stage during the graduation exercise, and he was dressed to a tee. The MC introduced Pastor Henry and then enlisted all of his amazing accomplishments. Jim Henry then walked to the podium and said to those gathered, I was remembering that when I went to college here, nobody knew me very well. I washed dishes in the cafeteria to pay my way, and I couldn't get involved in many activities. But now, look at me. Everybody knows who I am today. He said he was feeling really good about himself 
And when, like it was right on cue, a bird flew over and covered him with droppings. For a moment, he was just absolutely horrified. Then he began to laugh and he said, you know, I think God sent me that bird. My friends, a proud heart never learns. Have some birds come your way recently? Have you been going through adversity and struggles and difficulty? Now, God doesn't cause the trouble, but God can use that trouble to refine us, to bring the best out of us. And by best out of us, I mean to bring humility out of us. You know, when difficult times come, how do you respond? Do you get bitter or do you get better? When difficult times come, do you say, okay, Lord, thank you. I can use this experience to be more humble, to be more serving, to be more Christ-like. My friends, I hope and pray that we are all served a slice of humble pie. You know, it may not be your favorite thing to eat, but I promise you, eat it anyway. It's good for you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.